Just remain standing. Short preliminaries. First of all, we want to say how much we appreciate each of you for coming, being with us tonight, celebrating this time that the Lord's given us where we can be able to have a church dedication service. Thank you. We have folks from different states, different countries, and we certainly appreciate each of you. Brother Tim Pruitt will be coming to speak for us tonight and then be having the dedication service once he's finished. Brother Ron Spencer will be speaking tomorrow night, and then we'll be having a prayer line after that. Brother David Sauner will be speaking Sunday morning. So we're just going to ask the Lord to meet our needs. How many has needs in your life, your home? Sure, we all do. He's so mindful of us, though. We're so grateful. Let's just sing together, Harry, touching Jesus. I want to ask Brother Tim to come and just open your heart to the Lord. We'll try to treat you as nice as we can here. We'll do everything we can to make it. You stay with us if you're here a night or two or for three, all three services, whichever. We trust that you'll be blessed and it'll be worth your effort. Let's sing it together while Brother Tim comes. Let's just open our hearts to the Lord. A woman tried so many physicians. Now remember how much you know about God. There's one thing that matters. Touch it. Yet grew worse, so did Jesus. She came. And when that crowd tried to restrain her, she whispered these words through all her pain. Everybody, oh, I've got to touch Jesus. That's all that really matters. Then your life, then your life will never be the same. Praise the Lord. For there's only Very simple. Just believe when you call on His name. Everybody sing the chorus together again. Oh, touching Jesus is all. Praise the Lord. You got a need on your heart and life here tonight. Why don't you just lift your hand to God and say here, Lord, don't pass me by. He sees your need. He sees your heart's desire. The reason why that you come. And he's here to meet your need. Let's talk to him right now. Father, we want to just say thank you for your blessings. 
What grace, what mercy, what love has brought us to this place today. Without that grace and favor on our lives, we wouldn't be here. But Lord, you have ordained this moment. And we are stepping into a moment that you have called us for, that you have ordained for us to be in. And I'm asking, Lord, tonight that you'll minister to the hearts and lives of your children. Many of them reached their hand out, and it wasn't to me, Lord, because I can't help them, but they reached their hand out to you. And I pray, oh God, that you'll minister to each one tonight. Heal the sick that are among us, Lord, the ones that are needy, ones with burdens of all kinds. They reached out to you and said, I'm reaching out to you, Lord. I, I, I can't find the way without you. And that's me tonight, Lord. I, I'm just as helpless as I can be unless you come. Lord, we have the mechanics. We have the scripture. But we need the dynamics of the Holy Ghost to come and anoint us tonight. And Lord, just anoint me would not be enough, but anoint your people tonight. Anoint them with ears to hear. And may the Spirit of God break every fetter in their life, every chain of unbelief, to set them free to serve the living God. We're yours here tonight, and we report for duty. And Lord, as we gather in this place for the first service of dedication, and Lord, it falls my lot to offer this place unto you, the living God. I just pray, Lord, that you'll fill this place tonight. Let there just come the Holy Spirit in a real and living way. Lord, and move throughout this place that it will actually breathe with the power of God. Moving across this audience and across the world wherever this message is heard. I pray, Lord, you'll minister the hearts of your children. We give ourselves to you and the works of our hands in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to let you have your seats just a moment. So good to be here with you and have this opportunity to serve the Lord together. Amen. I want to thank Brother Donnie Reagan for inviting me here tonight. It's a real honor to be here, and to be here with the church here in Johnson City. We go back a long time and through many wonderful moments I think it was a year 1987, some 36 years ago, that I met Brother Donnie, and since that time we've become very close friends, very bosom buddies, and he's blessed us so many times through um, speaking to the, the, our church, to our youth camp, to our family camp, and, and our anniversary meetings, and I tell you, I just love him and Sister Carol, their family, and you're a blessed church to have them. Amen. I hope you'll come in here and preach sometimes, all the time. Amen. Empty pews just don't praise God, you know. It takes um, the people of God to fill them up, be a part here, and pull on the gift of God. I love this church. I have so many friends here. And um, I'm just looking forward to spending eternity with, together with you. What a privilege it is to be here tonight. I'm looking forward to the ministry of our brother Ron Spencer and brother David Seiler. They're God's men. And tomorrow night we're going to have a prayer line. And there are so many needs among God's people. 
and we are commissioned to minister to them. And uh, I know you can be healed or saved or delivered right in your seat, right as the word goes forth. I, I've seen demons flee uh, and people fall to the ground delivered as the spirits left them. I've seen habits of cigarettes just go completely while I was preaching the word. And, you know, that's Bible too. In the house of Cornelius, while Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard it. But it wasn't a mere mental assent that they received. No, they received the Holy Ghost just as they did in the upper room. For they heard them speak with tongues and prophesy. But now for the prayer line tomorrow night, Brother Donnie asked me to give you a little instruction. And, um, you know, I, I guess he counts me one of, one of you. So I'll just give you a little instruction about that tonight. Brother Donnie and myself, Brother Ron talked about how we should do it. And you know, Brother Ron Spencer is a miracle. We're happy to have him with us tonight. Amen. What a miracle. If you have never seen a miracle, this is a miracle. You know, over three years ago, the demon of cancer attacked his body and, and he is still undefeated to this day because Jesus Christ is the greatest doctor there is in the world. Amen. And of course, you know, we don't want to pull too much on him or these other ministers, but if you have a serious need, then come into the prayer line. You know, that's, it's going to be a fast line because there will be so many and, and we won't have time to hear your life story. Sorry, we won't. Um, but we'll just be able to lay hands on you and pray for you. And you think of it, if there's 400 of you come through the prayer line and we spend only one minute praying for each one, that'll be six and a half hours. And uh, so I know every person's need is really, really important. And we, but we want those with serious needs to come. And if you're seeking the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you the altar's for you. It's a place to die out to sin and be filled with the Spirit of God. And, and um, you know, if um, the Bible said in James 5.13, is there any among you uh, afflicted or suffering hardships? Well, let him pray. So that's something that you can pray about. I believe God hears your prayer too. But then he said, if there's any sick among you, well, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him and anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sin, it shall be forgiven him. And so, you know, that's what the prayer line is for. And, uh, and I'm just going to ask you, don't come through the line twice. If you didn't believe the first time, well, I don't know if we can help you the second time. <laughs> you know, I mean, come through believing. Amen. Be one and done. Yeah. So, you know, accept what the Bible said. We have anointed with oil. We prayed the prayer of faith. And, and, um, and then we believe that God will raise you up. Amen. God bless you. It's so good to be with you. and See all of you from everywhere, from wherever you come. And God bless you. It's so good to be with the children of God. To my minister brothers that are here, I appreciate each one of you. You're valid. You're very important to the body of Christ. There's none of, no big ones, no little ones among us. 
amen, that we're all just one great body of the bride of Jesus Christ, each one doing our little part. And that's all I can do tonight is my little part, amen, and may I do it with the best I can. Will you stand with me as we turn to the Word tonight? We're going to Acts chapter 7, verse 44, and I want to read this together here tonight as we look into the Word for this dedicational service. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house, howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Oh, what is the place of my rest? Have not my hand made all these things? God bless you. You can have your seats. Open that. Man has always tried to build something. Whether it's an icon or an idol or a temple that would house God, man's always tried to build something that would be acceptable to God. And I took a tour of this beautiful place with your pastor and his wife, Brother Ron and Sister Connie, and we all went around and looked at all the different aspects of this beautiful place that your hands have labored over. And, and uh, you have great talents that are displayed here. It's a masterpiece of a building. And the design and the, and the planning has made it so. It seemed like you've tried to think of everything that you would want or desire. We don't want to build again. But we cannot build a place that is worthy enough to contain this almighty, omnipotent God. And today we are not here to offer this place as a dwelling place for God but only a place where his people can gather together and worship. And the temple that was rebuilt by King Herod and was, it was a breathtaking uh, construction for those ancient times. And there was huge white marble pillars that were made of one stone. And there were eight gates and one of which was called beautiful. And there were porches on the sides, and one of which was named after King Solomon, Solomon's porch. And this would be the temple that his disciples would point to these massive stones of marble of the Ornate Temple. And Jesus would say concerning them, do you see this great temple, this great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, the difference between this temple and Solomon's temple was the glory of the Lord. The Shekinah glory never filled Herod's temple. It was never seen there. And the difference
deliverance, for example, even from far back in the Eden, when man first worshipped and built two altars, the difference between Abel's sacrifice and Cain's sacrifice and their offerings and their worship was not just because the right lamb and the right sacrifice was offered, but it was that the glory of the Lord came down upon the, upon the worshiper and, the, and upon the altar. I tell you, you can have all the correct doctrine, but without the glory, it's just a ritual and a formality. We can have the greatest message and we can have the greatest word ever and have all the doctrines right, but without the glory, we have missed it all. All the temple had to offer was beauty, rituals, and form. There was never any kind of life there. God wasn't there. In the Ephesian church age, Brother Branham talks about Christ being in the last age, walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And he said, how meaningful are those words when viewed in the light of the scripture, which describes him as Christ who is our life. For Christ indeed is the life of the church. She has no other life. Without him, she is simply a religious society, a club, a meaningless gathering of people. A corpse bejeweled and dressed is still a corpse. So the church, no matter what her programs and her gracious efforts might achieve, without Christ, she is a corpse also. But with him in her midst, that's what we want tonight. We want him in our midst. Amen. With him motivating her, she becomes a wonderment of her all of it all. Amen. His body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And this very hour, I want to say it. Hallelujah. I'm so glad for this. This very hour, he's walking in the midst of the last age golden candlestick. What he was when he walked in the first age, he is even now in this age. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Yet when Jesus came to the Jews, they were the church. They read the book of Acts says so. And Acts 7, 38 said, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel that would speak to him in Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles give to us. You see, Jesus would be brought to this church. He would be brought to this temple, to this people. He would come first as a baby to be presented before the Lord. At the age of 12, he would come to Solomon's porch located on the east side and there he would argue with the, with the uh, rabbis and astonish them with his questions and, and with his answers. This would be the same temple that he, that he would go to and he would see the error and the wrong and would plait a whip and drive the sheep and the cattle out and, and turn over the cages of doves and pour out the money changers' money and say, my father's house should be a house of prayer. And you have made it a den of thieves. This is the same place that Jesus would weep over in Luke 19, 42 and say, 
saying, if thou hadst known, even thou had least in this thy day the things which belong to thy peace, but now are they hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. He would visit this temple time and time again and would be rejected in his own temple. Yet the glory of the latter house, according to Haggai's prophecy, was to be greater than the former house that Solomon had built because the word made flesh, Jesus Christ would come as Malachi prophesied saying, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. And he came, but he was rejected. The stone which the builders rejected is found in Matthew chapter 21, verse 42, and said, did you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it shall grind him to powder. This stone, the Messiah, would be despised and rejected of men. They would disallow and disapprove of him, regarding him as base and vile and the most contemptible of all mortals and and set him at naught and hold him at, at the utmost scorn and derision. And so is he rejected today. He's rejected by some that bear the same characteristics of those builders back there. For his deity is denied. And he is treated as just a mere man, just a human, when he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, of whom the prophet of God in this age would declare the greatest of all revelations is the supreme deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can't get the first base until you believe that. And walk out as Peter said, repent and be, and then see the deity, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. Then you're ready to go to the Spirit. The first thing you gotta know is the deity of Christ. I'm Alpha and Omega, I'm from A to Z. There's no more but me. I was the beginning, I'll be at the end. I am he that was, which is, and shall come, the Almighty. Back then, the chief priest and the elders had oversight of the Jewish church, which was God's building. But they would not allow Christ They would not allow Christ a place in their building. They would not receive his doctrine or his laws into their constitution. They threw him aside as a despised broken vessel, as as a stone for the trash heap that would serve only as a useless stone to stumble over and to be trampled upon. And because of this, God in his wrath threw them aside. He threw aside their building 
the Jewish church. And he, Jesus told Peter, I'm going to build another church. Amen. I'm going to build another church where he would be the chief cornerstone. And his church would be built on the revelation of who he is. And he said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This came from an ancient prophecy of Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And he that believeth shall not make haste. His faith will not run away in panic. You never turn your back to the enemy. You prevail against the gates of hell. Hallelujah. I'm going to have a church and she'll be without a spot or a wrinkle. Hallelujah. I'll have a church the gates of hell will not prevail against. The church must be God's building and Christ must be its foundation stone. Psalms 127.1 He said, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So unless the Lord builds a church, those that labor have labored in vain. So God must be its builder. And no building that we can build with our mortal hands can contain his glory. It was never a building made with God's hands that are with, it was never a building made with hands that God was wanting anyway. It was a body, a man that God wanted to dwell in. In Hebrews 10 and 5, it says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. I don't want just worship, but I, I want a body. I want a body to worship in. Amen. God wants more than just worship. A lot of worship isn't worship of God anyhow. It's a worship of men's talents and abilities. What God wants is a body prepared for him to dwell in. These bodies are to be shaped and molded by him to fit the building. Brother Branham said we have a lot of stones and a stone is a confession, but he said the stone has to be cut to fit the building. First Peter 2 and 4 said to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed uh, indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You see, the cornerstone in this building was not a dead stone, but a living stone. Amen. God wants stones that are alive. He he don't want a bunch of dead, lifeless stones in this building. He wants living stones that are full of power, full of life, full of glory. So God, God would, you know, put aside that temple in that day and he brought forth his own temple. It was the body of Jesus. His temple went down to the river Jordan, was baptized in the water, 
was washed as an obedient lamb for sacrifice. And there that day at the river Jordan, the glory of God came down and filled his temple. The heavens opened and the voice of God cried out and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the glory of God came down as a dove and filled his temple. This is what Adam lacked. He had a body created by God and from the hand of God. But when it comes to decision time, he took sin nature. But not our Lord. He put away his own desires and thoughts, surrendered himself, and the heavens opened and cried out, this is my beloved son. And if the glory of God, the Holy Spirit, filled his temple, the temple of his body, so much you be baptized in his name, even as the temple must bear his name and be cleansed through repentance and forgiveness of sin, and then be filled with the Holy Ghost, the glory of God, baptized with the Spirit. Without that, you're still just an empty vessel, a lifeless corpse, as it were, a stone that is dead instead of a living stone. After Jesus received the abiding of the Holy Spirit, from there he went and proved that the gates of hell could not prevail against this living cornerstone. First, the Spirit of God led him or drove him, as another, another verse in the, in the Bible said, drove him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And in every aspect, whether it's the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes or the pride of life, Jesus defeated Satan on every side. He showed that the gates of hell would not prevail against this. Amen. In Luke 4 and 14, it declares that he was not defeated, but rather Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Hallelujah. A man who could go through the worst of temptation and come out in the power of the Spirit. We're talking about the glory. The temptation did not cause him to lose the Spirit, but he came out with more power. Every man filled with the Spirit must do the work of Jesus Christ. He commissioned us in Matthew 10 and 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely as you received, freely give. And any church that is not healing the sick, casting out devils, and freely giving out the Holy Ghost that they have received is not the church of Jesus Christ. This is the commission given to his church. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Hallelujah. And I tell you, in all of this, we must never fail to testify of what Jesus is doing among us. We must testify. There are countless examples of our prophet testifying of the wondrous works of Jesus Christ, of healings, of miracles, and saving power. You know what this does? This imparts faith, amen, and expectation to the believers. I will testify of his salvation. I will testify of his miracles. I will testify of his healing power.
No, no, no preacher can take credit for healing the sick any more than we can take credit for saving a soul. But Psalms 105 and 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord and call upon his name and make his deed known, his deeds among the people. You know, Brother Bosworth, he and, and, and some of those in that time, they had a lot of different opposition. They didn't want him telling of his wonderful deeds. They didn't want to see, you know, some, and, and Brother Bosworth said, some oppose and write articles against us, publishing the testimonies of those who are miraculously healed. What is the matter? Is there anything wrong in obeying the Lord's command to make his deeds known among the people? Since Jesus died to open the way for his mercies to reach all the needs of man, we are surely ought to be willing for them to know it. One would think to read some of the books and articles that are being written that it's a crime to let people know about the Lord's compassion. I think about that in the climate of the message. Back when I was a boy preacher, and even now, you know, sometimes we're not to testify of his miraculous healing power. It's as though, they, you know, the thought was we might take away from the prophet and from his position. But I want to say, as, a, as believers tonight, it's one of the, it is a huge discredit to Brother Branham and his message to present this message as one that no longer works. We must testify of what God is doing among us. The church world, you know, even in Brother Bowsworth's day, and you know, when that predated Brother Branham, did not want God's deeds known among the people. But there's hardly a sermon that Brother Branham didn't testify of some marvelous work of the Lord. But not only that, the Bible tells us to do this. The Bible says that each generation must declare the works that he has done. Psalms 145 says, we have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work thou hast did in their days, in the times of old. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awesome deeds and I will declare his greatness. Hallelujah. I, I'm fully aware that there's been, you know, in the, especially in the divine healing movement and others, you know, that abuse and misuse this, but we should never allow their poor behavior from testifying of the wondrous works of our God. Psalm 150 says, hallelujah, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heaven, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him for his excellent greatness. God wants our praise. This place should be called a house of praise, a house of prayer. First Peter 2 and 5, he defines us as lively stones built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up sacrifice, spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, 
And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded or ashamed. This was based on an ancient prophecy of Isaiah. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation of stone, tried, a tried stone, a, a precious stone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. He'll not run from his enemies. Now, watch in 1 Peter 2 and 7. He makes sure that we understand. He said unto you that believe, this cornerstone is precious. Amen. To you that believe, this word is precious. To you that believe, this message is precious. To you that believe, his anointing is precious. To you that believe, you want his glory in your midst. Amen. But to them that be disobedient, the stone that the builders disallowed, the same he's going to make head of the corner. And a stone is stumbling and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But that's not you. But you. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. But you. Amen. Verse 9. But you. You are a chosen. You are a chosen offspring. Amen. A royal priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Think about that. You who in time past were not a people, but now, hallelujah. You were once a sinner. You were once a slave to sin. At one time you weren't a people, but now you are the people of God which have obtained mercy. And oh, hallelujah. You had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. The church of Jesus Christ is a spiritual church. It's a mystical body. No one can add himself to it. You can't join it. You can only be added to church by God himself and no one can remove you from the church. So no man can put you in and no man can put you out. Hallelujah. I'm so glad because men can change their mind about you, but God can never change his mind. Once he chooses you, he can never unchoose you. In the message inner man, Brother Bradham said, now here comes a stone cut this way and one cut that way and one cut this way and one this way. And they found every stone had to fit in its right place. There's a place for you in this body. So that's what I think about believers in God. Every one of us, brothers, sisters, young people, children, every one of us has a place in this building. We may not be just like the other one, but we got a place to place here every born again Christian. You have a place in this building. 
And you know what's wonderful about it? Nobody can take your place. And the church is built on the revelation of Christ personally to you. That's the rock the church is built on. When he reveals himself to you through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, he places you or positions you as a living stone in the temple of his church. And when he does, then the gates of hell can't prevail against you. Spiritual adoption, Brother Branham says, Jesus said, blessed, though man may curse, though man may make fun, man may say you're a holy roller, man may call you any name under the sun, but he said, blessed art thou, Simon, by Jonas, your father. Here it is now, are you ready? For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You never learned this through some dogmatic seminary, neither did you learn it through some declaration of some man's theology. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, hath revealed this to you. See where it comes from through the tutor of the Holy Spirit has revealed it by revelation. And he said, unto thee, thou art Peter, little rock. I am the great rock. I am the cornerstone. But you are the little rock that's placed on me. The builders, I, God, chose you. You can never choose yourself. The, The builder chose you. The angels of God, one night, working out in a quarry, called you out. Well, found you among the stones. Hallelujah, the waste of humanity. And God called you out and you submitted yourself to me and I cut you out in my own fashion. Hallelujah. I made you the way I wanted you to be. I've done the sawing, you just stood still. And I placed you as a little stone to this and, and to this stone. And that stone leads to this stone and leads to that stone. And the cement of love is bringing you together, making the foundation which I am to be fitted together with every other stone that professes my name and receives this revelation. And upon this rock, the revelation of God that will stand still and be cut the stone by the revelation, I will build my church and all the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Showing that surely all the gates of hell would be against it, but shall never prevail. You're a winner, church. You're not a loser. You have been predestined to win. The gates of hell cannot be prevail against you. You're on a solid foundation. Spiritual adoption, he said, may I take a moment to say this, my friends, that the entire church of the living God is built sovereignly, solemnly upon the spiritual revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how educated you are, how smart you may be, how well you may think you know the Bible, Satan knows it just a lot better than you do. But only through the revelation, God through the Holy Spirit, your tutor revealed to you that he saves you by his grace. Amen. Amen. If he will reveal to you this morning by the revelation that this is the end of your suffering, that this is the end of your sickness, all the devil 
devil's out of torment will never shake of that foundation though every doctor says it's wrong. For on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Though it would be against it, yet it can't prevail. For when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God lifts up, raises a standard every time. You see it? You get it? Amen. A person, when he's been built on the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you, never fails. Smith Wigglesworth said, he that hath a revelation is not, is not at the mercies of him that merely has an argument. Amen. The devil has an argument, but you got a revelation. Hallelujah. Wow, you said, Brother Tim, it's, it's impossible. What you're preaching is impossible. No, it isn't. You know, 2 Peter 1 and 5 said, besides this, given all diligence, add your faith, virtue, and the virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and, and brotherly kindness, charity. For if, you, if these things be in you and abound, if this character of Christ is in you, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 10, he sums it up. For if you do these things, if you have this character of Christ in you that comes by the new birth, amen, by the Holy Ghost, you shall never fall. Jesus told us of a parable of two houses. One built upon the sand, one built upon the rock. You see, one that's built upon the foundation of the rock, the storms, no matter how bad they get, can never wash you off. Ephesians 2.19 says, Therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. You are who what now? You are built together for a habitation, a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. You see, Jesus must be the cornerstone of this church. Without him, we are nothing. We're just a pretty building without life. Amen. The same thing with the sermon. You can have pretty sermons, doctrinal sermons and the correct sermons, but without Jesus, Without that anointing, without that glory coming down on the ministry and speaking the word through him, it's just meaningless talk. Whether you like a corpse dressed and adorned with pearls is still a corpse. Jesus must be the theme of your life. He must be the theme of this church. 
The, the prophet said in Christ the mystery, he's the principal theme of the entire Bible. And if you read the Bible and don't see Christ in every verse of it, go back and read it again. If you can't see Christ in every verse of the Bible, then read it again because you missed something. The Bible is Christ. He is the Word. And when you read, in the beginning, God created, there's Christ. See, there to the amen in Revelation is every word testifying of Jesus Christ. He is the principal theme of the Bible. He was in the prophets. He was in the Psalms. He was in the history of the Bible. The Bible's a prophetic book. It's a historical book. It's a book of love. It's a book of songs. It's a book of life. And then there you find Christ. He was in the prophets. He was in the Psalms. He was in the history. And he's also in the Bible is the things that is to come. So he was before until after. So what makes him that then? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you inject something in there that doesn't make him the same yesterday, today, and forever, Brother Lee, where do you go? You got an awful picture there. For he was in, he was the history, he is the prophet, he is the son, he's everything. And if you can't make him everything in the same, where, what's your picture look like? He is the thing. He was the prophets. He was in them. He was in the Psalms. He was in the history. And he's in things to come. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. If you're writing it down, he should be the principal. If that's what it is, if we believe, we believe that, don't we? Then if he is that, then he should be the principal theme of our talking, of our thinking, of our singing, of our walks. He should be the principal theme of our life. If he's the principal theme of the Bible and the Bible is in us, then he should be the principal theme of everything we do, say, or think should be Christ. Hallelujah. Everything that the church is must be built upon Jesus. He is the cornerstone. And then he goes on and says, if a man says he's born again and tries to place these promises of Christ in his last day to some other age, making him Christ yesterday but not today, then that man or that person has been in a delusion by Satan. And if that man says he believes that and it don't manifest to him, Jesus said in Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe in all the world of every age, casting out devils, speaking with tongues, and all these great manifestations of gifts that would follow, that they shall not, they may be, they ought to, they will, and heavens and earth will pass away, but his word, what? Hallelujah. That's his church. It's a, a living church. It's not dead. It's alive. It's miracles are not yesterday. They're today. It's healing. It's not yesterday only, but today. It's not something of the past. We don't have to look in the past for miracles, for healing, for gifts of the Spirit, for the power of God.
Jesus Christ is to be the chief cornerstone. But I want you to remember, he's also the rejected stone. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is rejected, unwanted. Many have rejected the headstone, the cornerstone. What do you think of that? Because it is prophesied in the last day in Laodicea that Christ would be on the outside of the church. That he would not be allowed in his own temple, in his own church. Now, Brother Branham said the Methodist church is all right, Baptist is all right, the Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Nazarene, Pilgrim, Holiness, whatever it may be, they're all right. But the thing of it is, they rejected the real cornerstone. And that's why the gospel hadn't gone all the world through powers and signs and demonstrations. Is because denominations have cut out the very power of the phenomenal saying, the days of miracles is past. There's no such thing as divine healing. And there's no such thing as speaking with tongues. And there's no such thing as any supernatural. That was a day gone by. And sorry to say, that's preached in a lot of message churches. Because he comes to this temple. And the glory must come and be accepted, not rejected. Oh, I'm afraid many message churches will reject Christ, the cornerstone, like the brothers of Joseph rejected him. See, they didn't have no use of them spiritual dreams and visions. They didn't want that in their church. It reminds me of many around the message today. You know, Brother Branham said in Third Exodus that they thought the brethren that they would never have a use for a man like Joseph. Why not just get rid of him? And that's what the same thing that happened today. They think because our church has become intellectual and we got the best dressed crowd and the biggest organization and the smartest ministers that we have no use of the Holy Spirit in the way it was back there. In other words, they're full. In other words, their actions speak louder than words. That their seminaries, that their brain of their being and they're coming together and discussing this thing are more able in their, with their own intellectual minds to set the church in order better than what the Holy Spirit could do it. So they don't need it any longer. It's something we don't need today. It's days of that is past. Now, isn't that just right we don't need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick we got doctors we don't want prayer lines we don't want altar calls in our church we don't we we don't want no snot or tears on our altars we we don't want any of that old emotion we want to be a dead stone. We don't want to be a living stone that can touch, be touched, and react to the Holy Spirit is moving. So he said, we don't need the Holy Spirit to speak with tongues. We're all intelligent people. And when you do, you take right from your, from your framework the lifeline. Jesus said to them Jews in his day, have you read the stone that was rejected is this chief cornerstone that all the building is setting upon? And he said, that's, now you see what I mean? I'm sure you can catch that. The reason of it now is because they thought 
They would never need it. We don't need speakers with tongues. We don't need interpreters of tongues. We no longer need the Old Testament prophets to set us in order by the Holy Spirit. We understand it. And they have adopted a man-made system to take place of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, are you with me now? Therefore, there is a people that's elected and has their names on the Lamb's Book of Life. They can't go for that. They are spiritual minded and therefore they cannot go for that. They can't stand it. No matter if their fathers and mothers was lived in whatever organizational church. <laughs> There's a people. Listen, I don't care how bad it gets. I'm going to have a bride without spot or wrinkle. There'll not be a blemish. There won't be one word missing. There'll be every promise of God. Hallelujah. You see, in their buildings, if the cornerstone was not exactly right, the entire building would be out of line. And for that reason, the builders would go through many stones and inspect them, reject them until they found one that they wanted. In the message dedication, Brother Branham said, we notice in the building down there on the next chapter that in this building there was one stone that was actually too odd to fool with. So the builders keep going over and looking at it, turning it over, nah, never work. Nah, never work. It was too odd to fool with. So the builders rejected it. So they pitched it over in a corner and said that stone is actually too odd to be used. There, there's no such a place. We don't want it in our church. We, we don't want none of that emotions, no hallelujahs, no snot on the altar, no dying out to sin. We don't want no Holy Ghost like that. It's gonna make you act like the upper room. We don't want it. We don't, we don't want tongues and interpretations and prophecy, not in our church, uh-uh. No place for it in our building. Now remember, it was the builders who should have known different. Jesus spoke of it, but come to find out they had built the building so high until they missed the stone. And they didn't know where that stone was and they might have saw all the ships and they might have run through with every ox cart and they might have sent messengers up to Joppa, up and down. Has another load come in? Or did you lose one on the road? There's something wrong. We just can't find the stone for this place. And when they could not find it nowhere, come to find out it was right on the ground. It was the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. Jesus spoke of it and said, have you not read of the stone that the builders rejected was the chief cornerstone, the head of it all, where the rest of the building rested upon it? And I think in the building today of the spiritual house that God worships in, I think there has been a great big failure today among the builders 
We have come with our denominations and we have laid them in with sincerity. We have sent our boys to school to educate them, to speak well before a congregation. We've learned them psychology and Bible history. And we did everything and built fine pews and made high tower and steeples and beautiful music and so forth that we built. But we find out there's something wrong. We've tried to build it out of man-made materials, what education could produce, what seminaries could bring out of them, what scholarship. We tried to build it upon education, upon scholarship, upon denomination, upon all these things that will not work as long as we have not accepted this odd stone, this peculiar stone. But as the building began to materialize, they realized that the hole that was left, the odd stone fit to the dot. And that's where the spiritual builders today, and that's why the bride building of Christ is not ready for the bridegroom is because that the builders have rejected the chief cornerstone that's laid on the day of Pentecost, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Because every stone must be built on that. Because that's Christ. That's the real church, not mortar and brick and stone and so forth, which is perishable. But the real church is built upon the revelation of the word and the will of God. They've been placed in the body since Ephesian church age all the way to Laodicea now. But what in the day when Solomon had completed the temple and the chief cornerstone, as soon as the builders accepted that rejected, uh, the rejected, then the building started going up. May I say this with reverence and with all respect to every man in the church and every man's idea when our builders today accepted the rejected instead of pushing them off and calling them a bunch of holy rollers or saying of Donnie Reagan, he's just an old Pentecostal, which I've heard around the world, by the way. You see, some cast off. As he says, he says here, you know, when our builders, he said, may I say this with reverence, with all respect to every man in the church, every man's idea, when our builders today accept the rejected instead of pushing them off and calling them a bunch of holy rollers, the odd ones has been making a confession that the sooner the building will be completed. The sooner we realize that our young people need an old-fashioned outpouring of the Holy Ghost until the glory of God comes down and fills their temple until we realize moms and dads, that's what they need in their marriages and in their home is an old-fashioned baptism of the Holy Ghost. Until we realize Word of Life Church needs a refilling of the Holy Ghost from the pulpit to the back pew. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner the building will be finished. Because God is building a church. You know, that's what the opening of the seals was about, was bringing about, back the stone. Remember that? The true revelation of Christ. Brother Branham said in, 
it, you know, it is a sign of the end. He said, I, when he come to from the vision of the seven angels, where they come to him about, about the seals, he said, uh, I had my Bible open in the bedroom and I was reading in Romans 9, the last verse, behold, I lay in Zion a cornerstone, a stumbling stone, a precious cornerstone, and whosoever believeth on it shall not be ashamed. Amen. That's what the opening of the seals does. It comes back and reveals Christ. Amen. It places him first as a cornerstone and then then fitly puts all the other revelations in their place. Anything added will be tested and the fire will consume anything that's not ordained of God. We must be wise master builders, preachers, laity alike. We must be careful what we, what we add or what we lay on this, these stones. First Corinthians 3 and 9, we're laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God given to me as a wise master building, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth their own, but let every man take heed how he buildeth their own. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be manifest. For the day shall declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if a man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If a man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so by fire. Know you not. Here it is. You are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwelleth in you. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? The tabernacle in the wilderness was the first place of worship. It was a movable tent that they could transport on their journey. It would come to represent God's dwelling place. Notice the articles they were used in building in this sanctuary. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 3. Let's just look at this together. And this is the offering which he shall take of them gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins Dyed red. That's pretty easy to understand. He was our ram. And at Calvary was stained red. And badger skins and shittim wood. Badger skins. You know, that was kind of an odd, funny-looking, peculiar tent. And it veiled the living God behind Badger skins. Those badger skins hid the mercy seat. And this tabernacle Israel um, of Israel there was built on the pattern of what Moses saw in heaven with its three courts 
And God would tell him, said, now I want you to build it and I want you to use badger skins. It's an animal that theologians are still debating on what kind of animal this was. You know, an American badger is kind of a rodent. He's a burned animal with a thick grizzled coat. Some archaeologists and Bible historians have come to the conclusion that was a, some sort of sea animal similar to a porpoise, which Israel was able to get when they passed near the gulf on the way to the promised land. And, but it, no matter what it was, whether it was a porpoise or whether it was a badger skin, you know, they're, both of them are unclean animals. And if they, even if they were clean animals, no animal is worthy of veiling the Almighty God. Now, how beautiful a type this is of human being, unworthy as we are, unclean animals as we were. We have been chosen as skins to veil the Almighty. Hallelujah. You are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. What, what was behind that veil? Brother Branham tells us in, in the unveiling of God behind the old temple in the veil, what was back behind there was what was Jehovah? What was hid back there? What was the veil hiding? Oh, hallelujah. What was the veil hiding? It was hiding the word. The veil, oh, badger skins was hiding the word to their eyes, natural. Behind there also was uh, the shoe bread. Behind there also was the uh, Shekinah glory. But it was hid from all of them. It was all hid. It, all the glory of God was right behind the old badger skin. That's right, all hid to natural eye it is today. It's called a bunch of holy rollers fanatics, but they don't know what's hid behind there. They don't know. Hallelujah. Now, when he came and tabernacled in Jesus, neither was his flesh anything to look at. Isaiah 53 tells us he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. There was nothing in his appearance to, that we should desire him. And Brother Branham tells us again an unveiling of God. He said, notice the old veil that hid the glory, the old badger skin. There was no beauty to be desired of it. Neither was his flesh. And that's the reason people say a little stooped over fellow like that, probably 30 years old and gray and his beard gray, and he wasn't much to look at. The Bible said there was no beauty that we should desire him. He didn't look like a king, the old badger skin. But oh, what was on the inside? Then a little bunch of holy rollers set together in a hot building like this. They call them not much beauty to be desired. But what's on the inside? I'm sure it's veiled from many hearts. Again, he says, and the mighty God unveiled. He said, in the Old Testament, I have a scripture here in Exodus, that the old badger skins, what did it do? It hid the glory of God from the people, the badger skins. The reason people couldn't see it, because it was the skin that held it. The glory of God was behind that skin. And now, oh, hallelujah. I love this. And now the glory of God is hid behind your skin. 
Amen. And the traditions don't see it. Oh, you might look like a bunch of funny people and maybe your dress don't look like modern Hollywood and maybe you don't, your preachers aren't refined and whatever, but there's a glory of God hid behind the skins of the sons and daughters of God. Let me tell you, whatever, whatever the badger skins was, whether it was a rodent or whether it was a porpoise or whatever it was, the main thing is it wasn't alive anymore. <laughs> the life of the old animal had been poured out and now hiding behind it was another life. That may look like that same old sinner to me and to you or to the world, but let me tell you, veil behind that skin is deity. Hallelujah. People who are chosen, called, elected, placed, set forth in this generation as a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Now I'm talking about your skins. That flesh that's to veil God. How different that that was than from the Pharisees. Jesus said to that religious order in that day, he said, you are whited sepulchers or tombs and inside of you is dead men's bones full of all kinds of uncleanliness. You see, this is what he would say of the religious orders of that day. You're, 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 you're polished. You got a beautiful facade. You look beautiful on the outside, but inside you're hiding filth, uncleanliness, dead men's bones, no life there. Religion has become a tomb. You can have the most beautiful church sign on the outside and that church can have all kinds of abilities and capabilities of flashing, all kinds of sayings and pictures. But I want you to know you are the best sign that this church will ever have. There was a young boy one time, you know, ran into the a bartender's bar and said to the bartender, hey, hey man, your sign is down. He's, he's, he going out, said, uh, thank you, Sonny. Gave him a quarter, walked out to go put his sign back up. He said, uh, my sign's up. He said, no, I'm talking about your best sign. He said, well, no, no, my, that is my best sign and it's still up, boy. And he said, no, no, your best sign is that old drunk out there in, in the gutter. He's your best sign. And I want you to know you are this church's best sign. Don't put on the wrong kind of sayings, the wrong kind of deeds, the wrong kind of behavior. Come on. You are to be its best sign, a sign to the world that Jesus lives. Badger skins, your flesh, this old hide of humanity. First of all, a badger 
is this full of selfishness. That was, you know, self-centered. It's all about me. You ain't careful you get that about you, your church, my pew, my this, my that. But you see, a badger is selfish. That was Lucifer and his sin from the beginning. He not only glorified in himself, but he could only think of his own self, of his own ambition. He was filled with self-importance. Selfishness is a trait. It's just one of the many traits of a wicked badger. It's one of the works of the flesh listed in Galatians chapter 5 and 20. It's listed there's rivalry and self-ambition. There's other synonyms for selfishness, egocentric and egotistical and egomanical and self-absorbed and self-seeking and self-serving. Badger's pretty ugly. He's mean. You know, he's mean and he's a destructive. You know, and I just tell you, you know, I don't know how it is in your field, but in my field... He can be dead and kept dead. And Brother Branham says about it, he said it's time that we, it's a time that we should never let the spirit of revival die. We've got to keep in revival, constantly revive, every day. Paul said he had to die daily that Christ could live and we should never let that revival die within us. We should never lose our enthusiasm for this message. But you know, the New Testament church was made up of a bunch of mean old badgers of the worst kind. Oh yeah, they were. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 describes them. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate and sissy boys, and nor abusers of themselves with mankind, LGBT, XYZ, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. such were some of you badgers. But that ain't the end of the story. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified and declared righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There was an old dirty badger by the name of Mary Magdalene. A dirty old badger mean with a a selfish teenage high school spirit. Amen. And Jesus cast out seven devils out of her. And Brother Adam named selfishness as one of them. But I tell you what, God took that old badger skin, emptied it out and filled it with the Holy Ghost, set it on fire and made it his best sign. A dwelling place of God. Paul, also known as Saul of Tarsus, a mean old badger, killing and persecuting the church. But one day he met the cornerstone. 
and said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus. Oh, my, from that day on, brother, he had a different message. He had a different life. The old badger, old badger died out there on the road to Emmaus, or to Damascus, and there he was filled with the Holy Ghost. There was Peter, a selfish man, denied Jesus over his own cursed self. Think of that, a dirty badger. But there, God cleansed him, took that cursing preacher, and gave him the keys to the kingdom and the message of Pentecost. It was Judas, a badger that never was cleansed and went out into darkness. Went back into the hole that he came out of, the cesspool that he had left. You see, Israel, they couldn't see their God veiled behind those badger skins, but they could see his works. And the world may not see God behind your skins, but they should see his works. John 10, 37 said, if I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe me not, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Yet the world can't see what's behind those badger skins. Yet those badger skins are hiding the Shekinah glory. Although the outside of a man or a woman of flesh even though it's flesh, you should still be able to see manifestation, showing forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. That others can look and say, there's something different about that boy, something different about that girl or that woman or that man. You see, Israel could not see God dwelling over the Ark of the Covenant. The pillar of fire was veiled behind those skins. But by faith, they knew he was there. There's a particular people on earth who are his offspring, a chosen generation, chosen, begotten of God, who declare him. And when the curtain of badger skin was hung and the tabernacle was completed, I want you to read with me what happened in Exodus 40 and verse 33. And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate so Moses finished the work. Oh my, I know you look forward to this day when the work would be finished. You look forward, you look for this moment of this dedicational service, you know, you know the, the labors, the long nights, the many prayers, the sweat, the tears, the frustrations. But you're here. Moses finished the work. But notice, it wasn't through. There was something more that had to be added to it. To make it, to make it right, something more had to be added to it. Listen, and then the, a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And 
Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode therein and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This must be what happens with every individual of this bride filled with the Spirit. This must be the goal of this church to be filled with the Spirit. To have the Spirit moving. To have it working among us to see His signs. One of the principal works of the church is casting out devils. Demons ought to be cast out in every service. When the word is being preached, spirits leaving the people. Amen. The evil leaving, departing. Victories being won. Amen. The glory of God being manifest in the church. The same is true that happened with Moses' tent of Solomon's temple when it was completed and every stone was in its place. And it came to pass when the priests would come out of the holy place for all the priests were, that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. That's what I want to see is every preacher sanctified, filled with the Spirit. And the Levites, which were the singers, and all of them of Asaph and Heman and, and Jethuan and their, with their sons and with their brethren being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. Brother, they were, they were having a celebration. Amen. They were singing. They were worshiping. Ministry, ministering. In verse 13, and it came to pass. And it came, it even came, came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good. Can you say that with me tonight? He is good for his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand the minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Hallelujah. Well, what happened in the New Testament, Brother Tim? Well, I done told you about Christ, the cornerstone, that the glory of the Lord came. But I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 1, verse 13. And when they had come together, and they went up to the upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotus and Judas, the brother of James. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. Now here they're all gathered together, just like we are tonight. And then verse 1 of chapter 2 said, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
They were all with one accord in one place. And was suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. And out of that upper room came, oh, 120 badger skins. The old life of the old skins had been poured out and now the new wine of stimulation had come on the inside of them. Hallelujah. Brother Branham told us he learned that wine bottles were not made of glass and as they do today, but they were stored in skins, which is why Jesus said new wine could not be stored in old bottles. Those old bottles were not pliable and were stiff. And when the new wine bubbled inside, it would stretch the skin and it would burst it. Some people just can't stand a Holy Ghost religion. Some people can't stand the moving of the Holy Ghost. Some people can't stand to see people dance in the Spirit and rejoice and speak in other language, the language of heaven. You see, when the old skin or the skin gets old, and it's set in its ways. I've been in the message longer than you, Brother Tim. I've been here a long time. Yeah, you old mossback turtle. You saying I shall not be moved until you ain't gonna be moved. No matter who's preaching or what's preaching or what's the song. I ain't gonna be moved. Dead stone. So when the skin gets old and set and dry, it isn't flexible anymore. What we need is a renewing of the Holy Ghost. We need a renewing of his power. Brother Branham talked about that. He said on the day of Pentecost, God had 120 brand new Pentecostal bottles setting with their necks up. And when the Holy Spirit fell from heaven, it filled their, those bottles and they bounced all over the place preaching the gospel to the known world, declaring that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. My, when that new wine began to ferment and began to stretch. Amen. Why, if it's old skin, if, you're, if you haven't had a renewing, and you lose both the bottle and the wine, a lot of people lose their Holy Ghost right in church when the preacher preaches too long. You lose your Holy Ghost right in church. Why did there have to be one more come prayed for? You know, don't you know it's time to go home? You lose your Holy Ghost. You're just an old bottle. Amen. You cast, you know, he said, cast not your pearls before swine. They'll just trample it under. They don't respect pearls. Well, let me tell you, he said, you get a church that's so set in its ways. Let it be Baptist, Pentecostal, whatever it is. It's so set. When the new wine comes in, and the wine comes by the word, and that new word begins to say the days of miracles are here again. The old dried up skin was, 
will that when that new wine begins to take a hold, it can't move because it's set in what it believes. It won't move. And the skin bursts open and pops open. I don't believe in miracles. There you are. But when the Holy Spirit begins to say, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that falls on an old jack, church hide, you know what happens? They just blow up. If you say the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was promised on the day of Pentecost to you, to your children, to them that's far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, that old dry skin just burst open and you lose your sermon. That's right, it doesn't do any good. And I'm ashamed, to, I'm ashamed the Pentecostal skins are drying like that. Come back to the word. Amen. He said new wine is put into new bottles and the new skin wine or the new skin has oil in it. It's flexible. And then when the Holy Spirit comes down and says the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same as it ever was, divine healing is the same as it ever was, that new wine begins to spread out and the skin gives with it. And every time the word of God is preached in its power, the new skin will holler, Amen. It'll give way so you can see the wisdom and have a new bottles. And there on the day of Pentecost was 120 new skins laying on the floor. Amen. The old skins were cast outside. But when God came from heaven, well, feel those new skins. They got new life and begin to bounce all over the floor, even bounce out the door and through the windows and through the streets and new skin with new bottles and new wine, Holy Ghost wine, poured out, full of life, just stretching and giving out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, it's important. Lay your old ideas of how it ought to be down. Get ready for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit because that's what's promised here in this last day. Let me tell you, without the glory, the house is desolate and empty. Without the glory, it's just another building. Without the glory, you're still just an old dirty stinking badger. Looking around here, now the building is finished. From your pastor's vision, this started as a thought. Then it, that vision from a thought got transferred to paper, a blueprint. You couldn't worship in the blueprint. You couldn't all gather together and say, let's stand on this paper here. We're in the church. You had to move. You had to advance. The blueprint didn't come the first dirt work. Now to the last finishing touch. I want to talk to you just a minute. God's been 2,000 years in building a church. And we are some of the last stones to go into the building. There is not another age to come. There's not another message of restoration. There's not another prophet to come. There's not another Gentile age. We are the finish. And we are some of the last stones. I'm looking at them tonight. Some of the last stones to go into the building. God said, I, Jesus said, I will build a church. You think 
the three or four years that you were in building this building was a long time. You'd never get to this day. He's been waiting seven church ages. Getting his stones together, building his building. And now we're coming to the last few stones. And I want to say to you tonight, let's finish this. Let's don't leave it unfinished. He can't come for an incomplete bride. It's got to be finished. Let's finish this. And if I'm a stone, whatever God, cut me, whatever, whatever you have to do, let me be placed in the body. Cut off the world, cut off sin, cut off my unbelief, cut off my doubts, cut it all off. Save me, Lord, I've got to fit in the building. Some of you, in my 53 years of ministry as a boy preacher, starting up with 15 years old, preaching this message, I've been waiting on you a long time. I thought you'd never get here. I've been waiting on you. Maybe we're waiting on you tonight. You just kept laying out there in the pile, refusing to let him pick you up and change you. Just wanting to be around, you know, just good enough to be in the pile. No, you got to be in the building. You can't remove, continue on the same pattern that you've been. We're waiting on you. And let me just say, without the Holy Ghost filling you, you are incomplete. I don't care how much message you know and how many quotes you can quote. You can know it from A to Z. Without the Holy Ghost within you, filling you with His Spirit, you are incomplete. The glory must fill your house. When, comes, when the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes to cap you off, uniting you as an individual with Christ, it comes to complete you as an individual. It seals you for the rapture to the day of redemption. And when the last member, when the last stone of the bride is placed by birth into the body, then the bride church will be finished. After 2,000 years of seven church ages, I want you to think of this. God, in your generation, by supernatural happening of the coming of seven angels, capped off the mysteries of God, opening the seals by the revelation, the revealing of the thunders. And so the capstone has come to cap off the mysteries. The mysteries are finished. There are no more mysteries for the bride and her going home to be revealed. 
We don't need another prophet, another messenger, another message. It's finished. Amen. The messenger done his job. He finished his message. He don't need to come back and finish it. Amen. The revelation was complete. Amen. The mysteries of God have been kept off. Finished. It doesn't need me or another preacher to come and add to it or to take from it. It is finished. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished. It's been 60 years ago now. I want you to think of that. 60 years ago now that the seals were opened and the mysteries finished. And now the messages went into all the world. How much time do we have left? We're here at the end. I'm saying this one more time about this building. Let's finish this. The building is not finished until the glory comes to fill it. Come on now. The Shekinah glory was the finish to Moses' tabernacle. Moses had done all he could do and his work was finished, but then God had to finish the work. Come on. The glory had to finish. That Solomon's temple, his abiding glory is what finishes you as a holy temple. But for this bride, he's been building a church for 2,000 years, seven Gentile church ages. And there has to be a finishing of this bride. And only the coming of Jesus Christ the capstone can finish his bride's church where we meet him in the air. And as his glory begins to fill us with the dynamic power of the Spirit, it's going to lift this church off of the earth in the glory. And we'll go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it'll all be brought by a refilling of the Holy Ghost, the coming of the glory. You said, Brother Tim, I, I received the glory when I was just a boy or I was a young girl or maybe 10 years ago or maybe five years ago or maybe just last month or last week, you know, and, and that's wonderful. And the children, the, the people that came out of the upper room, they had just received the glory within them. And they were already seeing the miraculous begin to happen and the glory of the Lord was being shown and the works of God was on display. But I want you to know in Acts chapter 4 verse 29 when they had been threatened and we are being threatened like we've never been before. The LGBT movement is saying we're coming after your children. Amen. Every kind of evil is being done all around the world that we're living in. And we see here in Acts 4, 29, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed the place, Amen. It 
is possible, listen, it is possible not just for, not just for you, but for the place. This place that we have been built, that we have built, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, they had already received the Holy Ghost, but here it comes again, the glory being poured out again. I don't care how long it's been that the glory came, it's time again to realize we're threatened like we've never been threatened. We're opposed like we've never been opposed. But it's time the Holy Ghost shakes this place. And his glory come and fill your temple under your field again and speak the word of God with boldness. The house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister by the reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. This is what we want in the dedication of this church. Without its glory, it's, yeah, it's a magnificent place. It's beautiful. It, you know, you've thought of everything just about you can think of. For the young people, for the children, for the, for the, for the, the older ones, for the, everybody. Everything's been thought of from the front to the back. But it's all in vain without the glory. And the Bible said, and that's what we have preached tonight, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. What about your temple tonight? Amen. Isn't it time that you've been filled with the glory of God? Isn't it about time that you get a refilling of the Holy Ghost? You're going to need it. You're going to need it. You must have it. The dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost that we have worked in a small bedroom while the headstone was coming down to unite with the body. But when he unites with us of full power, the Holy Ghost will lift us up that even the dead in Christ will rise. Hallelujah. You're living in that age. You're living in that time. Amen. I say tonight, let the glory of the Lord fill this place. Let it shake this from the front to the back. Let it move in every heart. May it feel every person. May it feel every preacher. May there come an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. New wine and a new stimulation and a new dedication. Until men and women stagger under the presence of God. Until you're moved like they were in the upper room. Until you're prepared as a bride for her bridegroom. Hallelujah. Let the glory of the Lord fill this place. Come stand by me, Brother Donnie. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless our pastor. We so appreciate him and his vision, his work. I'm his little buddy. We're friends. But Brother Donnie, what we need tonight is a refilling and outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 
could you say tonight, could you say for your own self, let the glory of the Lord fill this temple. Let it fill me, oh God. Amen. Whether I'm young or whether I'm old, let it come there. Let it baptize me in every aspect, every fiber of my being. Be filled with the Holy Ghost till all doubting, till all unbelief, till all darkness flees. Hallelujah. I believe tonight this place can be shaken by the power of God. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we lift up your name tonight. And we present this building that we have done by the works of your, our hands. But now, God, we want you to finish this building. We want you to finish it by an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Finish this, Lord. Finish this work. Lord, when they are rejecting your move, when they are rejecting your spirit, when they are rejecting you to work, in their midst, Lord, in this moment, Lord, we recognize the cornerstone. It must be built on you. Lord, tonight I give this place with this pastor to you, Lord, with a new renewing of the Holy Ghost, with a new vision, with a new power. May in here the sick, when they come in these doors, they be healed. May the saved, the unsaved, find a savior. Lord, may the Holy Ghost be imparted to those, Lord, who are desiring. Lord, oh God, may your people around the world hear the word preached in power and in great glory until the glory fills their temple and you finish the work. I dedicate and consecrate this place in all of its aspects, from the front to the back, from the music, Lord, to, to the preaching of the word, to every Sunday school teacher, the deacons and the elders and the trustees, and every part of them, Lord, we give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask it, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. May this pastor have a new vision of renewing of the Spirit of God. May the power of God move from this place around and around and around, filling everyone with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Renewing of the Holy Ghost. An outpouring of fresh and anew. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Will you raise your hands right now and thank God for it? Come on, just raise your hand. Amen. Say thank you for the glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the glory. Thank you for the promise. Thank you that you said I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll be right here in the last age, in the last candlestick. I'll be right here on a bride in this end time. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Just worship him. Come on. You hadn't forgot how to praise him. You hadn't forgot how to worship him. You hadn't forgot how to praise him. You know how to do it. Come on. Lift your voice. Lift your voice, invite the glory of the Lord. Invite the
the glory of the Lord to come fill your temple, to come fill you afresh, to come fill you anew, to set you on fire, to put a drive on the inside of your passion. Amen. A new hold, a new hope, a new vision. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Glory to his name, brother. Glory to his name, brother Larry. Real slow. Real slow. I want you just to worship a moment. Just let him move on you. Move in your life. And move out that unbelief. Say, Lord, I just dedicate myself anew, afresh. Renewing of your spirit, God. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin. I cried, an old badger. There to my heart was the blood of life. Glory to His name. Can you just sing it to now? Raise your hands. I'm singing glory to His name. I love this name. Singing glory to Just worship Him now. Hallelujah. There to my heart. Precious fire. 
stand that say from sin. What is it now? I am so glad I have entered in. Will there Jesus say? I'm leaning. I'm safe. I'm secure from all the law. I'm leaning. Yes, I'm leaning. I'm leaning on the everlasting on. And what have I to dread? What? Have I to fear leaning on the everlasting on? Will I have blessed be with my Lord so near leaning on the everlasting on? Yes, I'm leaning on Jesus. sent me the calculation just a couple of weeks ago 
of what the tabernacle in the wilderness would have cost and our modern value of metallurgical values. 330 million dollars. The tabernacle. And that was a tent. Solomon's temple in today's value would have been over 30 billion dollars. Wow. You imagine all that gold and all that silver and all that stuff. But it wasn't that that really made it so awesome. It's when God come in. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Same with us. What would we be without him today? Aren't you glad he lives in your house? Your temple. Praise the Lord. Brother David Meyer, precious friend of mine from over in France, we're going to have him to come and, and dismiss us. Brother David, if you would. Thank the Lord. They've got that same Jesus over in France. Yeah. Same Holy Ghost, doing the same stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads for the word of prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, we count it such a great privilege, Father, to be standing in the most wonderful time, age, this earth will know, Father. Lord, that you chose vessels like us, badger skins, to fill with your glory. So, our Lord, words cannot express our gratitude, our thankfulness for the grace that you have given us. Father, as we dedicated this house to you, Father, tonight we dedicate our own temple, our own lives to you again, Father. Lord, may, be, may we be living epistles read by all men. Like Brother Tim said, let's finish this work. So, Lord, we surrender to you, Father. We ask you, Lord, to bless each and every one, Father. And may you use us for your glory to speak to someone, to change the atmosphere somewhere. Lord, wherever we go, may your Holy Spirit, Lord, come with us, Father. And Lord, may we, everywhere we go, may we be doing your will and thy will only, Father. So bless each and every one, all those that have labored. May you give a special blessing on them. All the offices, Father, we put them into your hands. And we thank you above all, Father, Lord, for what you are doing in each and every life. And we want to never cease, never stop giving you the praise and glory. Because you deserve the glory. Be with us now tonight. Give us traveling mercies. Renew the strength of your servant, Brother Tim. And Lord God, as we come back tomorrow, Father, we want another move from God. Another filling, Lord. Another refilling, Lord God. Lord, the dynamic of this church will be a refilling, Lord. We say, let it be so, Lord God. Once more, Father. And Lord, tomorrow, once again, Lord, until we leave this earth, Father. So bless each and every one. We commit everything into your hands. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.
Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. God bless you tonight. Um, just one quick announcement. Uh, the sisters have prepared you a little bag, a little uh, sandwich, chips, and I think cookie and a drink. Um, tonight, tomorrow night, you can go throughout to the multipurpose building, uh, grab a bag. If the table's out there, I think they have a few tables set up. If they become full, you can head to the bottom end of the parking lot here, and there's a pavilion down there with a lot of tables and chairs set up for you to eat. Also, uh, tomorrow, if you'd like to go through the building and walk through the building, they ask you to do it between 12 and 2. Uh, they'll be having kind of an open house where you can go down and look at the Sunday school rooms. So tomorrow, remember that. Um, if you'd like to look at the building from 12 to 2 tomorrow. Amen. Let's just sing this little course. This is your house. Let's sing that tonight as we're dismissed. Well, this is your house. Father, come and dwell. This is your house. It's a holy house of prayer Where the lost and the lonely Bring their burdens and their cares This is your house This is your house
情愁。Lord have your way. We humbly pray. This is your house. Where? 